I'll start the recording. Welcome to Women in Chemicals quarterly generation female live panel on managing burnout. Thank you all for joining us today and supporting Women in Chemicals. My name is Amelia and I'm one of your co-founders of Women in Chemicals. We're really excited for today's panel featuring four amazing women from our community. I just wanna quickly walk you through what you can expect from the next hour, and then I will hand it over to Kylie to kick things off with the panel discussion. After introduction of our sponsor and panelists, Kylie will moderate a 40 minute discussion among the panelists touching on topics such as defining burnout, how it may show up in your personal and professional life, tools to help you manage your burnout, how companies can assist in preventing burnout and balancing the different roles that we all have in our lives. Following the panel discussion, you will be randomly assigned to breakout rooms for small group networking and to further this discussion. The breakout rooms will be facilitated by our panelists and other members of our community who have generously volunteered to help lead these discussions today. Please note that we will not have Q&A in today's event, but we will send you the contact details of all our panelists and a follow-up email so that you can reach out to them directly with any questions or concerns that you might have. Today's sponsor is ChemSeed. ChemSeed is a full-service, woman-owned and minority-owned chemical supplier headquartered in Chippewa Falls, Wisconsin. ChemSeed aims to be a partner in your supply chain and they offer full support from R&D phases of your formulation to the production of the final product. ChemSeed's streamlined and personal approach to customer service means that your problems will be solved promptly by a representative who knows your account and knows you by name. They're willing to go the extra mile to meet your unique needs of your business on every order from packaging to deliveries. At ChemSeed, they understand how important it is to your business to provide a consistent quality product that is in regulatory compliance. That is why they are fully committed to protecting the safety, health, and environmental quality of their stakeholders and the community. Through responsible distribution and their involvement in the National Association of Chemical Distributors, they place an emphasis on health, safety, environmental considerations, and continual improvement. Thank you to ChemSeed for sponsoring today's event. Now we will introduce you to your panelists. Perfect. Hi, everyone, and thank you so much for joining. It looks like we've got quite the crowd today, and I'm so excited to see it. Um, I'll first be introducing our, our first panel speaker, Megan Goose-Bohan. Megan, or Meg, is the owner and CEO of TR International, Inc., a national chemical distributor headquartered in Seattle, Washington. Meg is responsible for overseeing the day-to-day -day affairs of the company's business, as well as providing the leadership and creative vision for the company's future. Meg's background as an attorney makes her a pragmatic and effective leader. Meg is the board treasurer for the Chemical Education Foundation and the National Association of Chemical Distributors. She served the industry in a variety of roles as a former NACD director at large, as well as in a variety of committee positions. Meg received her bachelor's from the University of Minnesota and her JD from the University of St. Thomas School of Law, both in Minneapolis, Minnesota. She's licensed to practice law in Minnesota, Oregon, and Washington. Thanks, Meg. Now it is my pleasure to introduce you to Beth Campbell. Beth has worked in the HR field for 20 plus years and currently works at Barnes North America as the U.S. Human Resources Manager. In addition to her experience in the chemicals industry, 
Beth has worked in the manufacturing and distribution of consumer goods, financial, and automotive industries. Beth has a bachelor's degree in industrial psychology and is a senior certified professional in HR from the Society of Human Resources Management. Beth enjoys volunteering and has held numerous positions in the local and state SHRM chapters in Ohio, including president of the Greater Lorain County SHRM chapter. While she's not working, Beth enjoys spending time with her family, traveling and volunteering in junior achievement, Toys for Tots and her local food bank, Bank Aids and Choir Boosters program. She resides near Cleveland, Ohio with her husband and two sons. Next, I have the pleasure of introducing my very own colleague and coworker, Nicole Allen. Um, Nicole Allen is a sourcing agent within our chemicals and polymer space at 3M Company. Within this role, Nicole has responsibility for materials such as silicones, synthetic rubber, and natural rubber. Prior to her role in sourcing, Nicole served as a sales productivity representative supporting 3M's automotive aftermarket division. Nicole holds a bachelor's degree in international business from the College of St. Benedict and is pursuing her master's in supply chain management at the University of Minnesota Carlson School of Management. In her spare time, she enjoys hiking with her great Bernese puppy, Oakley, cooking, and traveling. She resides in Cottage Grove, Minnesota with her husband, Jared. And finally, I introduce you to our panelist, Christy Luna. Christy Luna has been in the chemical industry for almost six years. She has served in several roles at Brentag. Hired as a key account specialist, she was promoted to a key and corporate accounts analyst and shortly after appointed as the co-chair for the Employees Together Committee at Brentag Northeast. Christy is currently an account manager for the pharmaceutical industry and holds an MS in psychology. She resides in Singing Spring, PA with her husband, Louise, two sons, Ethan and Nico, and her dog, Bruno. With that, I hand it over to Kylie to kick things off. Perfect. Thank you so much. And thank you again, ladies, for what I am so excited to be a great discussion here this morning or afternoon, wherever you guys are. Um, Christy, I would love to start and kick things off with you um, in, in addressing this first key topic, right? So I think let's start from the high level and then jump into a little bit of a, a deeper scope. So Christy, how would you define burnout in your life and how does it show up for you? Um, and then what would you classify symptoms of burnout uh, in your life? Great. Thank you. Um, I do want to say thank you for having me, uh, being part of this discussion. I think it is so relevant to what we are basically all of us experiencing right now with our market and all of our industries. So um, it is a pleasure for me being here. And to answer your question, um, when I think of burnout, for me, it is definitely when you've lost all motivations. I mean, when you think of the grand scheme of things, you almost lose a sense of urgency especially when it comes to important de deadlines. You, when you're at your max, you feel that nothing can be done. Obviously there's stress involved, there's anxiousness, um, but it's almost as if you just don't care, even though you know you have to do these things, right? Um, and research shows that when you're burned out, you are completely drained physically, mentally, and emotionally. It's not just a one-way thing, you know what I mean? Um, for me, obviously, some of the symptoms that I feel are you feel sick to your stomach because you just do not see the ending of that to-do list. You 
think there's no way of catching up. You feel restless, you're irritable, you snap in the, at anything for no reason, right? And I also experienced breakouts, which is horrible because, you know, it is just a sign that you just, you've had too much. And inability to sleep, that is a big one um, for me. And I'm sure that many of you can probably relate to that. When you don't sleep, nothing else fits in the way that it's supposed to be. You need to rest. So also research shows that um, stress and burnout are actually two different things, you know, and there's so many times that we probably walk around saying, oh my goodness, I feel burned out. When in reality, you might just be stressed or the other way around. So I found it interesting because stress, when you're stressed, you feel, you know that you have a long list to do, but you tell yourself, I'm going to do it. I don't know how, I don't know when, um, but I'm going to do it. And you just tackle your to-do list. When you're burned out, you know that you have to do those things, but you physically can't. You don't bring yourself out of that, you know, position that you just know you have to do these things, but you're like, I can't, I'm drained. I'm completely exhausted and I can no longer, you know, move on, but there's a way out. So I'm curious to see if any of my other, you know, panelists may have feel the same way also. <laughs> it's, it's interesting, Chrissy, that you mentioned, you know, with you know, having that feeling that you have to do everything. And I think that's one of the things that when, when folks are, are burned out, they have a hard time delegating. They have a hard time letting go. Um, and that's one thing, I mean, I, I see it time and time again with especially high potential employees that, that have this real high expectation of, of themselves um, and, and they have a hard time letting go and, and delegating to others. So we have to constantly remind them how important that is because you can't do it alone. That's why, you know, we have teams. That's why we have the employees that we do, you know, in place and, and the support systems at home that we do. Um, sometimes you have to reach out for help. No. I agree. I agree, Beth. And it's funny that you mentioned that because what, as I was preparing for this, one of the things that came to mind is just like you said, you are eager to also please order others, do a, a great job. You're, you have the fear of disappointment in others when, when you have so much on your plate and you rarely say no, because you think you can tackle it all. And then it's, what do I do now? You know, after I've committed to all of these things. So great point. Thank you. Yeah, it's important to set those boundaries. That's true. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. I think to your, your point too, Beth, just bouncing off of that a little bit, you know, the, the delegation piece, I, I think that can be challenging, especially I, I think of myself in a role where I'm an individual contributor in wanting to take the onus and the responsibility and see things through. But in a, an environment where there's such a high volume and I'll say, um, velocity, the velocity at which work is coming towards certain desks. I mean, you, you certainly need to figure out, you know, what's the priority. And from there, are there tasks that could be delegated to maybe take some of that burden off? Absolutely. You guys, I, you are preaching to the choir, at least for me, and I hope our audience, I mean, Chrissy, you speak to, you know, losing sleep at night. I hope I'm not alone in sometimes waking up to those work-based nightmares, you guys. I, I am knocking on wood. They don't happen often, but I am, I have woken up in the middle of the night, stressed about an email or an activity for sure. Um, and I think that that speaks to just like how overwhelmed my brain can get uh, and how hyper-focused it can get on trying to manage all of these tasks. And I, I also can very much relate to the commentary around delegating versus thinking that you can manage it all. And there definitely 
and I'll be the first to admit I'm not good at this, but there comes a point where you are taking on so much that the value add that you're creating is getting less by taking on more versus delegating to other people that can absolutely contribute better value for sure. So really good comments there. Meg wanted to open up the opportunity for you to, to close out any comments on this topic before we move forward. Yeah, I think um, it's important to note too, you know, I speak from the perspective of somebody who um, I, I often labored under the delusion that the further up the pyramid you went, the less you would struggle with this kind of thing because you'd have more people to delegate to and things like that. And that's just fundamentally false. And in fact, um, the, the more your career uh, advances, the more you really do have to be a, a really effective manager of your burnout and your stress, maybe even more effectively than you have to manage the tasks that you oversee. Because um, it's key for anybody on this call who's in a leadership position to be mindful of the fact that people are watching you and they're watching how you handle it and your mood sets the tone in your organization. And if you appear stressed and burned out, that can send signals that something is fundamentally wrong with the organization when it's not, it's just wrong with you. I will also say for you, those of you on this call, I, I don't know where everybody is in their, their career, but I think a lot of times as women, we do feel that it, it's more impressive to be somebody who can appear to handle everything without having any whatever. And I can say, um, from the unique perspective of somebody who um, who hires people, employs people, and watches people, I'm not necessarily watching for that. In fact, I will say that somebody who has an inability to know when to say when is a red flag for me. And I think everybody should just be mindful of that. In order to promote somebody and to give them more responsibility, I am looking for a demonstrated ability for a person to know themselves well enough to know when they are stressed, when they are burned out, and to have within their lives some practices that I know we'll talk about later um, to manage that themselves. Because in order to become a leader, you have to be a person that can first of all care for yourself. And I think that's really, really important, whether you're a leader in your home or in your company, you have to be somebody that is developing that skill. And if you don't have it now today, that's okay. The fact that you're on this webinar means you seek to know that. But I want to assure you that people are watching whether you can do that um, because it is a key skill. And I'm sure Beth would would agree. It's it, That is a fundamental character quality that, that needs to be present the further you go in your career. Food for thought here. I don't know if it's requiring response, but Meg, you make this comment about leaders should look for, you know, employees that are self-aware to be able to identify when they're not contributing value as great as they can if they're, you know, trying to manage too much at once. I feel like, you know, COVID and all of the, you know, trickle effects that have resulted over the last two years have put a lot on everyone's plate. And I think that maybe early on, we were all jumping headfirst into it. And we had this mindset of yes, yes, yes to everything, right? And we can tackle this. And I'm just like, food for thought is like, do we just have this overarching acceptance of taking on everything? And do we need to change that mindset overall, like very high level all the way down to like, let's make these roles manageable for everyone and recognize where we are, you know, not contributing value all the way down and, and realize that that might not be the best direction for the organization as a whole, right? In the long run. So food for thought there. I just, you know, I'm having light bulb moments already. So you guys, thank you very much. Any last comments before I move to Nicole uh, facilitating the next question with me, ladies? All right, so 
to jump into kind of the meat and potatoes for me for this one. And Nicole, if you could kick us off and help us to understand, you know, what useful tools that you found to help you manage your burnout experiences. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I want to reiterate what Christy had mentioned earlier is, is thanking um, you and Amelia for, for inviting me to this panel. Um, I think it certainly came in a, in a timely fashion at a point where I think we've all felt, um, you know, the burnout and I'll say stress, I think, in parallel um, that, that 2021 has brought upon us, at least in, in our roles, Kylie, from a supply chain perspective. I would say at a, at a high level, thinking about, you know, how others can apply this as well, and I'll go into some more examples, but I think first and foremost, you know, we all have work where we could potentially, if we really wanted to sit down and probably work 24 seven. Is that possible? Absolutely not. Um, should we do it? No. Um, so I think what, what you need to define are your non-negotiables during your day outside of work, um, you know, personally. So for instance, my non-negotiables are um, taking my dog out for a walk in the afternoon, exercising for an hour at least, um, and then having dinner with my husband. So um, there are certain things that, you know, I may receive a, a request for a work meeting that might be at six o'clock at night. Having that, I think, um, I'll just say having the ability to say no um, has been one of the, the biggest things that, that I've learned and I've used kind of as a tool is being strategic about where you say no and where you set those boundaries. Um, as some of the, the ladies had mentioned earlier, um, I would say that the other piece of it is also taking time to pause and scheduling time to pause and reflect and understand, you know, why am I feeling burnt out right now? Is it email? Is it the number of meetings? And then adjusting based on what, what is causing that feeling of burnout. And also, as it was mentioned earlier, having that candid discussion with your manager too, as to, to how you're feeling and, and what can be done to potentially alleviate on a work basis. And so with that, that that's kind of at a high level what I have. I'll, I'll open it up for, for others for commentary there. Um, Nicole, those were so many great points because one of them uh, that I thought about was also um, taking that time off, but really, really taking that time off. So I'm big on um, sometimes if I'm completely maxed out, I just take a day off from work. If your company offers wellness days, use them, you know, personal days in addition to your vacation. I mean, those are supposed to be fun days, but if you have, you know, if they offer that, just schedule them and think of your mental health and how awesome that will be for you to reset the button and come back the next day with a fresh mind, you know, a different perspective and ready to tackle on your to-do list. Even if you feel you know, like drowning at the end of the day, but at least uh, the day before you may have taken that time to just pause, like you said, you know, a lot of things is also, another thing is overbooking yourself saying yes to everything. Just like what we kind of like Beth said previously, uh, we tend to do that. I, mean, I think it's part of our nature as human beings. We think we can squeeze it all in 24 hours. And I've learned, I don't know if it was COVID or maybe even before that, I really learned how to say no um, to a lot of things that would make me feel as I was suffocating because I wanted to be in so many things 
you know, I'm not going to lie. When we had that COVID break, I said, oh my goodness, this really feels like this. Like this feels amazing being just serene, quiet. And then of course, now we're back to normal pretty much um, in a sense. And one of the tools that I also use is write. I like to write, uh, whether it's positive, negative, um, even if you throw the paper away when you're done, but releasing all of that, whatever's on your brain, um, I think is helpful, at least to me. So I just wanted to throw that as a tool or a suggestion for others that may be feeling um, burned out, uh, just writing about it at the end of the day and, and start fresh the next day. I have a question for you guys as we kind of tackle this one. So I love the idea of taking a wellness day or taking your actual vacation day, but what are your guys' take or recommendations or advice on, you know, you take that wellness day, you don't do the email while you're taking this vacation day. You don't look at it. You don't jump in on, you know, one call that's urgent. You don't do any of it. How do you balance taking that full day away with the stress that might come with knowing that stuff's building up in your inbox or you're missing meetings or you're behind when you return. I'll answer that because I, um, I have a policy at my company, full disclosure, I don't allow employees to roll over really any significant time from year to year. I'm not mm -hmm. impressed by an employee who takes their entire PTO bank and rolls it into the next year and arrives at the end of the year stressed out, burned out, and the champion of never having left the desk isn't good for them and it's not good for me. It's not good for our business as a team. I will say though, that we've wrestled with this question internally. And I think that there are some people for whom answering those emails, even on their days off contributes to their wellness. And I think you just have to know what kind of a person you are. And if you feel that even on a vacation day, if you carve out a half hour to respond to emails or something, but it ultimately makes that vacation day more meaningful for you and more restorative for you, then do it. Because the goal of a vacation day is to heal you. It is not to make sure you don't do anything at all. There are a lot of people who take PTO around here to paint their house. It recharges mm -hmm. them. You know, whatever that is for you, don't get trapped in this line of what it has to look like. A wellness day does not have to mean the spa. For some people, that really is digging in their garden or, or just being more slow and intentional with the work that they do do. And whatever that is, I think you should do it in a way that, that serves the purpose, not necessarily the, the script that you want to follow. I am exactly that person, Meg, that needs to maybe carve out the 30 minutes, even on my wellness day. You make a good point. Yeah, and I don't disagree. I, I do the exact same thing. And that is what helps get me through a lot of those days. But when I want to take an actual vacation, I make sure that it's an actual vacation and that I've left things in great hands with the team that I have, because I know that things are mm -hmm. going to be handled. And to your point, I, I believe it was Nicole that mentioned it. I know that I'm not going to come back with a pile. I mean, yeah, the work's going to be there, but not a pile of things that has to be done immediately because those immediate things were taken care of. I, I, I have to have that confidence in them. Um, I think it goes I, back to your comments yeah. on delegation, Beth. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, and I think, you know, Megan, just to, to um, you know, reiterate a little of something that you said earlier, um, I do think it's great that you have to recognize as individuals, we all have different needs and we all feel differently in terms of, of that recharge, you know, that we have to have. Um, but at the same time, you do have to be careful in the message it's sending to the organization. 
Because if you've got a, a leader, as an example, if my boss, every time he's on vacation, he's answering my emails, he's responding to me, he's attending meetings, what kind of message is that going to send me? And, and at that point, then am I going to feel as though I have to do the same? So what I do, and I shouldn't probably admit this to a larger audience, but what I'll do is if I'm on vacation or if I'm working late at night, there's great tools in Microsoft Outlook where you can delay your responses and nobody has to necessarily know, you know, that you've done that at three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> so you use the tools that are there as long as it's something that helps you. And, and again, sending the right message to the organization. So I, I'll never admit that I do that. <laughs> hey, I, I know it exists. I appreciate it. And I think that, you know, that's really cool that you have awareness for your teams about the message that you're sending. And I think that I can circle back again to some of the commentary around, you know, if we all, you know, aggregate are saying yes to everything, that's the new norm. How do we change that cycle of, of this, right? You know, all the way from the top down. So I think that's, you know, there are definitely unique ways to do it. And I think that's great that you're self-aware. Um, so Beth, you know, I'm gonna jump right back to you, I think with this sure. next one, with your experience and your current role, um, what are, you know, what specifically is your organization doing to assist you in preventing burnout? Um, and then I open that question for everyone on the panel here. Um, but how can we establish a productive environment to prevent burnout? So I think that, you know, one of those topics is, you know, you're setting this message for your teams by delaying some of your communications. But what else is there? Yeah, thanks, Kylie. Um, so I think it's twofold. I think, number one, as an organization, we have to recognize burnout. You know, what are the signs? What are the symptoms? What are the things that our employees are going through, you know, that are preventing them from being, you know, at their best? Um, because, you know, sometimes they may not have the tools to, to perform the job. Sometimes there might be, you know, inefficiencies in their job. And if there are things that are contributing to that burnout, what can we do to prevent that? Number one, obviously, is having, you know, pop, uh, pop, uh, policies, procedures, you know, documentation in place. It's going to make their job easier. We all know, you know, the old adage, working smarter, not harder. Um, and unfortunately, I've heard so many times throughout my career, not just, you know, where I am today, but, you know, over the last few years about people just getting so frustrated because they, they follow what they believe is to be the process. And then they find out they've done something wrong. But in reality, it was never documented. It was never communicated. It was never shared. Um, so that, that's one key thing. Um, I think the other really most important thing that you can do as an organization is have a culture and an environment where it's okay to talk about mental health. It's okay and it's encouraged, you know, whether it be having a conversation, I think somebody mentioned earlier, having a conversation with your manager about your emotions should not be a scary thing. And I think mental health tends to be such a taboo subject that sometimes people are afraid to have those conversations. So if they're afraid to do so with their manager, we need to make sure they have other outlets, that we have wellness programs in place, that we have an employee assistance program that they can reach out to. Of course, we've got resources within the HR department that they can reach out to. They're coworkers. You know, we shouldn't think of it as a, as a negative thing if somebody says, you know, I need to take five minutes and walk around the building because I'm, I'm, I'm at a point right now where I, need, I just need to take a break. It's not just vacation. It's not just wellness days, but just getting those breaks throughout the day. Um, and one thing I think that unfortunately has, has made that even more difficult is everybody wants to work remote. But when you're working remote, it's really hard to disconnect. It's really hard because you don't have the 
um, you know, what I call those natural bookends, you know, that, that commute that gets you to the office, that commute that gets you home doesn't exist anymore for a lot of people. So we as, as employers have to be really careful that when we have remote workers that we're reaching out to them, we're communicating with them, we're, we're making their job easier, not more difficult, and, and that, you know, they've got a safe space to talk to us about their mental health when they are struggling. Anybody want to add anything or I'm sure hopefully some of this resonates with, with you. I, I can only imagine it's such a hot topic right now. And, and, you know, we're dealing with it everywhere, every industry, every role. I, I was uh, doing a little bit of research prior to, you know, prior to our discussion today. And there were three large organizations, Mercer, Indeed, and Deloitte, who just within the last few months were doing surveys on, on employee burnout and all three of them consistently showed that about 77 to 80% of our employees are feeling burned out currently. What's contributing to that? A lot of what I talked about, but also think about all the other things that are happening at home. You know, the, the addiction, the, the abuse, the grief, you know, COVID, I mean, the pandemic, all the things that we've been dealing with have been contributing to that burnout. It's not just what's happening at work, but it's a big part of it as well. Make a really good point too, Beth, about the fact that, you know, the the narrative, it seems like sometimes is that working from home has been great and it's so much better. And there are a ton of upsides to it. And I don't mean to diminish those, but the ugly side is, is the lack of the bookends. And it's the lack of placement in the place where you say, I'm at work now and then I'm at home and you sort of don't have the delineation of the space. And so um, I can see how that would be um, a challenge, you, you know, I personally appreciate being able to be in a separate space when I work because I do, I, I really utilize that, that commute time as a battery recharge. Mm -hmm. And, um, and also just a, a transformational internal thinking change that happens too. Yeah. Well, yeah, it allows you that time to sort of decompress, you know, especially at the end of your day. And you're, you're not sitting at your kitchen table. I, I've, I've had so many conversations just within the last few weeks where folks say, oh, I went back to the, the computer to answer an email. Next thing I know, two hours have passed. You know, it's, it's hard to, to, to disconnect when you're, when you're in that environment. And Beth, all great points. Also, Meg, um, I did want to add to that more specific to uh, a couple of things that Brentech has done to prevent burnout, you know, as a, a further employees. And um, we've scheduled a couple of webinars for all of our employees uh, with different topics. And two of them actually came to mind, which were mindset and also communication. So I think those webinars came in at a really good timing as well, so that you can take a step back and really, you know, rethink some of these things. Um, we also did a virtual 5K with Water for People. You know, you mentioned, uh, Nicole, exercise. It is huge. You know, we just have to squeeze it in. It's so hard. I'm guilty. Every day I say I'm going to do it today, 30 minutes. And many times it doesn't happen. But, you know, you move around the house. You go get a cup of coffee. I'm moving. My blood is circulating. But I thought having that virtual 5K was so, so amazing because it really gets you out of your comfort zone and on your eight to five mentality. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, we've done that through our wellness program as well. The, the 5K oh, or very you know, summer individuals, summer our team events, which, which is great because it also gets folks interacting with one another. 
you know, exactly. when we a team. So, mm-hmm. and it gives you that energy that you need. Um, I also learned that some of our departments are actually doing drinking drama at the end of a given day. I thought it was so, so fun. Um, where you can literally complain and just talk about anything that has bugged you, you know, doesn't necessarily have to do with alcohol. You could have tea or coffee, but I thought it was a neat idea, you know, that maybe uh, we should do more often because you do need that body system also, even if it's at work and just, okay, I had a bad day. I need to just talk about it or you just write, like I mentioned earlier, but um, those things that Brentech has done, I thought they were pretty interesting. And obviously, how can, we, how can we establish a productive environment to prevent burnout? For me, one of the things I thought was we have to set realistic expectations, you know, which ties back to communication. We tend to overpromise, whether it's to our customers or our colleagues. We say, yes, 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 we'll get it done. And you know in your mind, oh, if I cut it close, I may not be able to meet that deadline. So I think we have to be open-minded about it and, and set realistic expectations. So, I, I agree with that, Christy. And just piggybacking off of that briefly, I know that there's probably more questions that the panel has here, but, you know, setting those expectations when it comes to meetings and such, because I know in this virtual environment, there's a lot of back-to-back meetings and not really having a break in between, you know, understanding the the purpose of that meeting and does it really need to be 30 minutes or can it be 10 to 15 and a quick touch base um, versus being prolonged and I'll just say, you know, leaving, you know, 15 minutes over the course of three meetings that could have been used, you know, for a total of 45 minutes for personal work or email, whatever that might be. Um, you know, setting those boundaries and stating, yeah, I think this is more appropriate to be 15 versus 30 and so on and so forth and having that mm-hmm. voice to, to say that. Yeah, yeah having guys. meeting-free days, you know, uh, again, it's realistically, you know, there is such a thing as Zoom fatigue. You know, we've all heard it. It's a new term, mm-hmm. if you will. Um, you know, maybe there's a meeting, maybe you don't have to have your cameras on. That's, an, that's another thing I know that, that can be, um, you know, obviously uh, contributing to that burnout as well. It's just the meeting after meeting, being, you know, in person with everybody. Um, and, you know, it's, to, to your point, Nicole, is it really even necessary to have a meeting? And does that meeting have to be an entire hour? I, I find that, you know, maybe it's 45 minutes and you give yourself that 15 minutes in between to get ready for your next meeting. <laughs> right. I, Nicole, so Nicole and I used to pre-COVID times work in a, a campus of sorts, right? With buildings that we would walk to, that we would schedule time to walk to and from in between meetings. And I am so used to the back-to-back that I don't even remember how much time I used to allot to make sure that there was no delay or, or me being tardy to my next meeting because I'm just so in the cadence of being back-to-back here. So um, I think this is a little bit of a reality check for myself and my meeting fatigue. Um, great conversation, you guys. We could talk about this for hours, right? And I'm thinking, you know, in my head, the wheels are turning. Let's make this a series that keeps going, right? Um, but I do want to make sure that we make time for this last question that will be led by Meg here. So, um, Meg, you have many roles, uh, just like everyone here on this panel and everyone participating. We all have many different roles outside of the workplace, right, that we need to recognize as well as the successes and the value add that we bring to the workplace for our teams, for ourselves, however we contribute, right? Um, so Meg, can you talk to us a little bit about how you manage balancing all of these different roles in your life? 
Yeah, certainly. Um, so it, part of my story is that in addition to being the CEO and owner of a company, I, I do serve the CEF as its treasurer and I serve the NACD as its treasurer. Um, and then, and then I have, um, I'm a wife and a mother. I have two small children at home. My girls are three and five years old, um, nearly three and five years old. So these are not, um, these are not hands-off uh, moments. And so I always joke that I'm going home for the second shift. And part of the way that I um, handle this is number one, I'm a, I, I'm a person who has at its start a, a daily gratitude practice. And beyond that, I have a, a, a minute by minute um, sort of optimistic nature. And so when we talk about, for example, and, it, and that optimism and that gratitude always turns back on what can I do about me? And I think when you're talking about burnout, when you're talking about stress, I think that one of the dangers that we're starting to see is this desire. We're all so burned out or stressed wherever you find yourself on the continuum that, that we're tempted often to say, what is my employer not giving me? And I think that the way that I manage my life is to say, what am I not giving me? Because it's the only thing I can control. And then what can I do to give me? So I, I have a couple things. I, um, I always say, be where your feet are. And I tell my employees that too. And so if I'm at work, I'm at work. And if I'm at home, I'm at home. Now, because of my role and because my job is a little bit different, I, um, I think if you're on this call and you're a, a, an owner of a company or um, a CEO, you probably have a little bit different um, level of expectation for when you're off work. You know, I, I don't know if that exists. You know what I mean? And so the work to carve out me time is on me. There's nobody for me to blame and there's no, um, no one that's going to do it for me. And so that's good in a way. Again, back to this optimism, it's really good for me because then I, I have to sit here and do what all of you have to do, which is to say, okay, where am I? And if I'm in two places at once, so if I am at home with my kids and I do have to take a call that comes in for work, can I do both things mindfully so that what I don't do is take myself to a place of panic and start getting spun up in a story? Oh my gosh, my life is so hard. I'm so stressed out. There's so much going on. All of that may very well be true, but it doesn't serve me to sit in that. It serves me to say, let me handle this situation on this phone. And then let me go over here and cut up this hot dog. And I can do those things. Every mom on this call knows exactly what I'm talking about. And half of suffering is being engaged in the story we have about the things we have to do, right? So I work really hard to just sort of cut that out, be present with what I'm doing, and do the things. And if I can just do that, it, it does feel more manageable to me. When it's just completely chaotic, sometimes there's nothing wrong with just saying this is chaos and it sucks. And give yourself a minute to take a breath and just, and just say that because that's real. And again, you have to do that for yourself and, and your time is better spent saying, okay, what do I need in this moment to get through this chaos that I can't change and I can't move off? I, I think that's really, really important to do that. The other thing that I do is I have a very regimented and disciplined schedule and I don't always stick to it, but I, I was telling Amelia once a, a few months past that for me, that is sort of the way that I ensure that I am accountable to myself for taking care of myself in these various roles. A lot of people talk about working out. Um, I too work out. I get some thinking done there. I get some endorphins. There's a, there's a physiological help that I'm giving myself in doing that, whatever that is. Um, 
but the point is that I am doing something for me and I'm doing so intentionally and I can sort of carve that out and I can make some rules. And obviously not everything can always hold that way. I mean, at my company, if you're calling me at six o'clock at night, there better be something on fire. That's when I'm at home and I'm present with my kids. But to an earlier point, because I have small children and I have a lot to do, sometimes I do go back to work after they go to bed. In fact, most nights I do. So I communicate. I tell my company, hey, just because I'm working, it doesn't mean I expect that of you, but I'm a working mom. And for every woman on this phone who's a working mom or, or father or, or any other caretaker, you do realize that sometimes your workday has to look a little bit different than somebody else's in order to make room for the priorities you have. And, um, and so I just communicate about that. I don't expect that of all of you employees, but I do need to work tonight after the girls go to bed because I took time off today to be at show and tell. And so I think if we can communicate and, and be really honest about where we're at, um, both as coworkers to one another and as leaders, I think that's the, the way to do that. And um, I'm committed to caring for me. And I don't outsource that, namely because I can't. But even if I could, I wouldn't outsource that to any of my, to, to anybody who employs me necessarily. It is my job to care for me. And if my employer simply cannot, then that's a different decision making that needs to happen for me. No one will care for you like you. And you cannot outsource self-care. It just cannot be done. And so I, I really want to just stress that and say that. The last thing I'll say is be mindful of the wonderful things you get from working. Beth hit it on something that's really important. Grief, addiction, trauma, loss, everything that's going on in people's houses. Sometimes it is a blessing to have to go to work and leave my house to go to work. Even when things aren't that bad, but if somebody's just having, you know, I had a daughter that had a perpetual cold. I was so tired of wiping noses. And I'm going to let you know that like heading to work on Monday morning gave me a minute. You know what I mean? To just go do something else. And I was able to carve that out. And again, there's not a parent on this call that doesn't understand what that is. But whatever it is in your life, sometimes work can be a really nice way to do something else and to give you space from the other roles in your life. And then you get a little freedom and a little breathing room in there to return to that fresher. And I think that's a gift too. And if you can look at it that way, then everything um, serves you in a good way. I have to say that that's a tough act to follow up on Megan. That, all, all, all very insightful. And I, I couldn't say it better myself. I was kind of thinking in my mind, you know, you mentioned being an owner and a, a CEO. I mean, ultimately that's in your professional life, but you're also the CEO of your life, right? Um, and you get to make those decisions as to where you allocate your time, how you fill your cup and ultimately that, that's what we all need to do is, is understand what that fine balance is and setting those boundaries to be our best selves, both at work and personally. Beth and Chrissy, I want to make sure that you guys have any, you know, last chance as we wrap up. I, I agree. Meg, you <laughs> hit the nail on the head there. So yeah, she did. Absolutely. And I can't even count how many times I heard the word mindful you know, mm -hmm. um, and, and intentional. And, and I think those two things are really important as well as being cognizant of the things that we can control and, and the things we can't, you know, sometimes we try so hard to control the things we can't 
And, and that means, you know, we maybe need to do a little more self-reflection as we talked about mm -hmm. earlier. Um. Yeah, absolutely, Meg. Wonderful job because <laughs> many of the points that you mentioned, I also had written down and I'm like you, I thrive on a routine, on a schedule. Um, and it drives me a little bit crazy when I don't follow it. So I do have to follow it. Um, and like you said, when I am at work, um, a hundred percent. And when I'm home, I'm a mom and a wife. You, I mean, you're right. You couldn't set it, set it better because we do have to set those healthy boundaries as well. That is the only way to manage it all. Um, and almost like I said, even before, just learn to say no to those things that really don't require your presence at a given moment, you know, and have a support system. I know that uh, we hear that often and Probably some people don't even have it, but honestly, try to find a support system, whether it's, you know, your own spouse, a friend, a colleague, church, I mean, um, a, a gym buddy, just find something because it really um, helps you disconnect from all of these different roles that you have to carry out on a given day. So this was great. <laughs> Yep. And Christy, I have one more selfish plug. Find someone in the women in chemicals community to talk to as well. Um, no, ladies, I can't say thank you enough. I could talk about this for, for hours. And you know what? We might just continue to do this, you know, on a recurring basis to make sure that everyone in this community is accounted for and, and has somewhere to talk. So um, I will hand it over to Amelia to kind of close out here so that we can have a moment to jump into some, some group discussions and maybe ask some more specific questions in smaller groups.